Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist Podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now today it's a bite-sized-ish episode and I'm going to be talking more about finding motivation for change when you're feeling really stuck. So often it can be extremely challenging to think about letting go of disordered eating or an eating disorder, particularly when you're thinking about the next meal or next week or even next month. And I think often the urgency just isn't there for change because as humans, we like the safe and familiar. We're designed that way. And the eating disorder is often a conscious or unconscious coping strategy. And understandably, we don't want to let go of something that has kept us safe in the turbulent waters of unpredictable life. And I think firstly, the eating disorder can almost feel like it's better the devil you know. Maybe you don't like it in many ways, it holds you back, but it is safe and it's a certain life raft. And maybe it's also become part of your identity. It's what you do. And you can't remember a time, maybe for a very long time, when it wasn't around. So you understandably feel scared about who you would be without it. So let's talk about ways that you can begin to shift perspective and zoom out on your situation, therefore increasing your motivation. And this can support you towards making changes. Now, a few years ago, I read Bronnie Ware's book, you may have read or may have not, The Five Regrets of the Dying. It's a fantastic insight into the regrets that we as human beings often have about our lives. The things we talk about in the last few days or weeks of life. Now, Bronnie worked for several years in palliative care and her patients were those who had gone home to die and she would spend with them the last three to 12 weeks of their lives. And Bronnie says, people grow a lot when they're faced with their own mortality. I learned never to underestimate someone's capacity for growth. And some changes were phenomenal. Each experienced a variety of emotions as expected, denial, fear, anger, remorse, more denial, and eventually acceptance. And every single patient found their peace before they departed, every single one of them. So when Bronnie questioned her patients about the regrets they had or anything they would do differently, common themes surfaced again and again. And in her book, The Five Regrets of the Dying, which you can get hold of if you're interested to know more, she talks about the most common five regrets. So I'm going to talk through these. So number one, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Now, this was the most common regret of all. When people realize that their life is almost over and they look back with clarity, it's easy to see how many dreams had gone unfulfilled. Most people had not honored even a half of their dreams and had to die knowing that it was due to choices they had made or not made. So it's very important to try and honor at least some of your dreams along the way, because from the moment you lose your health, it's too late. Health brings a freedom very few realize until they no longer have it. Now, I know for me, a significant part of my healing from my eating disorder was going against my family's wishes, going off to university, not going into the family business as was expected of me. And then after leaving university as well, 
going off to Australia, when many of my peers were going into well-paid jobs and forging their careers, I sort of took off. And in truth, rationally, if I looked at it through a sensible lens, I couldn't really afford to go traveling, but I knew at that point it was something that I would regret if I didn't take action. And I know for myself, going to university, going to Australia, was so important as part of my healing process to take a step into the unknown, to get away from things that had been quite challenging and to have a chance to come back to myself and begin to heal. Now, you may not need to take such drastic action as moving across the world. I'm not recommending everyone takes off to Australia. And hopefully your friends and family are supportive of you. But today, think now about what is really important to you in life. And there's no right or wrong here. We are all individuals. When you're old and looking back on your life, what are the things that are going to have been important to you? And this is not what social media thinks, or what society thinks, or what your peer group thinks. It's what about you? And to be able to get dialed into this, you need some peace and quiet to be with yourself. You might need to journal or go for a walk and reflect. And it might not come to you all at once. You may feel very out of touch with your desires and wants. And you might just need to dip your toe in the water to think about what's important for you and start where you can. But when you do dial into what you love, what inspires you, what lifts you up, what gives you purpose, what is important to you, I promise you that the eating disorder will hold far less appeal. You will see it more clearly as a restrictive thing holding you back and limiting you from spreading your wings. So next time you're faced with a decision, think about what the flourishing version of yourself that would spread your wings would do and go with this. And just start making those decisions around the little things, okay? And this will help to start to shift your identity in a different direction, rather than feeling your identity is so linked to the ED. Okay, number two, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. So we can all be so guilty of overstriving and working too hard. Our culture praises the go hard or go home. And even if you're a workaholic, you might be seen as dedicated and it not really being a problem. Now, many of my clients with whom I've worked with have worked endless hours and run themselves into the ground. They've often really struggled to set boundaries. They're often in a place of people pleasing. They're often in a place where they're not self-caring and thinking about what they need to live and so let alone survive. So as a result, the eating disorder has often become the one thing that they feel is theirs alone. The one thing that is in control in what feels like a demanding and uncontrollable life. So to open up opportunity to see things differently, to work less, to simplify life and to enjoy the moments, we need to get off the hamster treadmill and slow down. Spinning so fast at a zillion miles an hour gives no time for reflection or consideration of what you're doing. Then days, weeks and months can go by and you will understandably cling to the eating disorder more than ever to get you through. So if you relate to this, think about your current life situation. Are you striving so hard to the point of a joyless existence? And how is this tied to your relationship with food as you may well see a correlation? So time for a short advertisement break. 
I know we talk a lot about food freedom on this podcast and how important it is to take care of yourself mentally and physically as you learn to navigate a culture inundated with toxic messaging. One of the best ways to take care of yourself is through exercise, but I know that it can be really hard to find an exercise program that isn't rooted in these toxic messages and doesn't feel triggering. Well, I recently met Katie, the owner of an amazing new exercise company called We Shape. And We Shape doesn't focus on calorie counting, tracking how much you work out or making you feel bad about your body to get you motivated. Instead, they create a customized exercise routine for you that helps you connect with and care for your body rather than feel pressure to change it. They help you learn to set intentions that come from a place of self-care rather than self-judgment. And they support you every step of the way with an amazing community and live coaching so you can make exercise a self-care practice that helps you feel better in your body and about your body. Plus, they're giving listeners of the show the chance to try it out for two full weeks for free. Just head on over to www.weshape.com forward slash freedom or check out the link in the show notes to get started today. So number three, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Bronnie talks about how many people suppress their feelings in life in order to keep peace with others. And as a result, they settled for a mediocre existence and never became who they were truly capable of becoming. Many developed illnesses relating to the bitterness and resentment they carried as a result. So an eating disorder can often be a way to numb, dissociate or escape from difficult emotions. And we need to be compassionate to ourselves here because it's often been a survival strategy through trauma and difficult times. And maybe we needed it at some point to stay afloat and get us through. But over time, if you rely on an eating disorder to numb, dissociate or distract from how you really feel, you have lost a valuable internal barometer that is guiding you through your life, your emotions, your feelings. Your feelings give you feedback about your environment. They let you know how you're being impacted and they can guide you towards greater joy, peace and happiness. So you might need to get the support of therapy to open up your emotional world and talk about your feelings if this feels scary. But tapping into your emotional world allows you to potentially lead a much richer and more authentic life, which can bring a great deal of peace. And Bronnie talks about how we cannot control the reactions of others. However, although people may initially react when you change the way you're speaking by being honest, In the end, it raises the relationship to a whole new and healthier level. Either that or it releases the unhealthy relationship from your life. So either way, you win. Number four, I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. So Bronnie talks about how often people would not truly realize the full benefits of their old friends until their dying weeks. And it was not always possible to track them down. Many had become so caught up in their own lives that they had let golden friendships slip by over the years. There were many deep regrets about not giving friendships the time and effort that they deserved. Everyone misses their friends when they are dying. And it is common for anyone in a busy lifestyle to let friendships slip. But when you're faced with your approaching death, the physical details of life fall away. People do not want to get their financial People do want to get their financial affairs in orders if possible, but it is not money or status that holds the true importance for them. They want to get things in order more for the benefit of those they love. And usually though, they are too ill and weary to ever manage this task. And it all comes down to love and relationships in the end. That is all that remains in the final weeks, love and relationships. 
So think now about who is important to you in your life and invest in these friendships. Allow people in to support you and help you through and realize that relationships with others, safe, supportive, encouraging, accepting friendships are going to be infinitely more valuable than your relationship with your eating disorder for the long term. And number five, I wish that I had let myself be happier. Now, Bronnie says that this is a surprisingly common one. Many did not realize until the end that happiness is a choice. They had stayed stuck in old patterns and habits. The so-called comfort of familiarity overflowed into their emotions as well as their physical lives. Fear of change had them pretending to others and to themselves that they were content when deep within they longed to laugh properly and have silliness in their life again. So when you're on your deathbed, what others think of you is a long way from your mind. How wonderful to be able to let go and smile again long before you are dying. So reflect on this one. Are you holding on to your eating disorder because it's safe and familiar? Maybe it feels right to feel low or miserable and perhaps you don't feel deserving or good enough of happiness, peace and fun. So if you recognize yourself here, try to see that younger child version of yourself, the little child who was doing the best that they could, that maybe life intervened and probably exposed you to some traumas and stresses. And maybe the ED came in and supported you through this, but maybe the ED is not serving you anymore. Maybe it is robbing you of peace and happiness. Maybe you could give yourself permission to begin to let go and have a different life. Maybe you could give yourself permission to be happy. You are deserving of this. You are good enough. Okay, well, hope you enjoyed the episode and found it thought-provoking and hopefully motivating around change. I know for me, when I'm wanting to make changes in my life, although it can feel a bit morbid thinking about death, actually, when we realize that life is short, that it is finite, it can be incredibly motivating to help us get focused on our values and what is really important. Okay, hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're not following me already on Instagram, do seek me out the eating disorder therapist underscore. And for further support with your relationship with food, do go to the eating disorder therapist.co.uk. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'll be so grateful if you'd follow, rate, and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. Thank you so much for listening today, and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon.